something I'm experimenting today because I'm all anxious and this election is making me feel um, like death is near. Uh, I'm streaming live on Instagram and I'm streaming live on Facebook and I'm doing it the old fashioned way. Um, so hi to everybody on Instagram. I hope I'm not too grainy because I'm simultaneously streaming on Facebook. Um, I hope you guys are more relaxed than I am. I have been meditating up the wazoo. I actually did a, um, a sound bath. Have you guys ever done a sound bath? It's not as kinky as it sounds. There's this amazing woman. I think her name is Abigail Divine. Um, beautiful woman. And she does these sound med meditations. So look her up on Instagram. And it's these singing bowls that she, you know, clinks, I guess would be the correct word. She clinks. Um, and it's supposed to, the vibrations are supposed to affect your body. And I believe it. I'm, I am kind of a hippie, but I'm also very skeptical. I'm not like, oh, homeopathic medicine and let me invest in essential oils. I have my tea tree oil, have my eucalyptus that I sprinkle on the pillow if I want to open up my sinuses, but I'm not super into health. I just ate half a box of Milano cookies. So as you can imagine, I'm not exactly a glowing example of a healthy lifestyle. I also have a zit here, hence the hat. Look at that. Look at that convenient shadow. Ah, there it is. Now it's gone. You like my huge microphone? Thank you, Trucker Motsi. It's a great microphone. I'm supposed to actually talk like this, but this will be awkward for everybody involved. I had a panic attack because I, besides the election, I'm hosting this theater festival called the Chutzpah Festival. Uh, that's happening November 21st to 28th. It's supposed to take um, to be based in Vancouver, and I'm doing it remotely. I'm hosting it. So go to chutzpahfestival.com. And I need the mic because I'm, I'm interviewing all the artists every day and I have my own show. And then the mic stopped working and I had to chat with Rodwin on um, Focusrite customer support for literally an hour and a half. But I could tell this guy was super intelligent. It was such a delightful shift from my usual customer. I guess tech support people are going to be knowledgeable, but not when you're calling like your phone tech, well, I guess your iPhone. But usually when I call tech support, I, it's, we're not, we don't communicate well and I'm annoying. This is extremely uncomfortable. Holding this... And if I do, oh God, see if I do that, yeah, um, it's kind of annoying. So I'm going to look at, yeah, I'm, see, I have to kind of juggle comments. I'm waving at everybody. Look at this, this multitasking. I'm a woman. I can multitask. I was excited about Biden winning Michigan. This thing is so gut-wrenching and it's just the beginning. And I think that everyone is so exhausted, but somehow... Somehow we find the energy and the resilience to deal with increasing chaos. I mean, it's, it wears you down, but we're definitely able to do it. I mean, it's kind of like parenting, right? You, especially when you have a baby, like the young baby that's just like an amoeba that poops and screams. It's still cute, but you know what I mean. The amount of energy involved, and then you think you're going to break, but then, okay, the baby has a fever. What, are you going to leave the baby in a, in a bath of cold water and hope for the best? Maybe, but you're also going to you know, muster up the energy and go to the doctor. So I'm super excited about my guest today, by the way. My uh, first guest, Ophira Eisenberg. Oh, I, sorry, I'm scratching. I don't know if I got bit or I'm just touching myself because nobody else is. I mean, so if you notice me doing that, just tell me. Oh, and I got two necklaces today. I got a necklace off of Etsy with my name, and then I got another one with my son's name. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Isn't that touching? I think it is. Um, zit. There we go. Should I just do this? Uh, I was in the army, by the way. For those of you that don't know, I was in the Israeli military for uh, two years, as you do. It's not like I'm special. Everybody gets drafted, and I got drafted. When I tell people here I was a sergeant in the army, they're like, ooh, 
but everybody becomes a sergeant. I mean, you really have to fuck up to not become a sergeant. But when, you know, when I'm up, when you're applying to stuff and you put sergeant in the military on your resume, it sounds good. I don't even know the different, uh, I don't even know the different uh, ranks in English. Corporal, what? Commander in chief, that's it, right? That's the top. Thank you for the compliment about my hat. See, if I scroll to look if there are any Facebook questions, then you get to see the other window. Hold on, can we do this? What's happening? Look at this, guys. Huh? Oh, whatever. It's too much. It's too, it, there's too much juggling. I'm just going to keep it like this. So I have Ophira Eisenberg, and then I have Jamie Ward, lovely, lovely fellow who I met in London a year ago when we could actually travel with joy. Uh, and we actually went out to eat, and, um, and we went to another restaurant in a hotel. It doesn't sound sorted. It was just a restaurant at a hotel. But he's, uh, uh, he studies cognitive neuroscience, and he's also an actor, because in England, Acting is a respectable profession. I don't know if you're aware of this. This is the main difference between the U.S. Well, maybe not the U.S. In New York, I guess, theater actors are respected. But in England, they're really respected. The U.K. in general. But I think in England, they're really respected. It's a respectable profession. So when someone says, uh, I'm a cognitive neuroscientist and I'm also an actor, nobody rolls their eyes. There's no eye rolling. It's all like, wow, a thespian and a neuroscientist. I did neuroscience. Not sure you guys knew that. I actually got published. It was a, a study with rats. I talk about it a lot because it involved some vaginal smears, which we don't have to get into right now. Uh, I can explain it in detail if you're interested later. But uh, I became, I was doing the brain research also, and I was trying to make it as an actor here. I was working at the UCLA Brain Mapping Center. I pointed over there in case you didn't know where UCLA was. It's that way. And um, at one point, I kept leaving to go on auditions. And literally they would be like, well, we need this. We're going into you know, the, the brain surgery. We're operating on someone because the person's awake when the, uh, when the tumor's removed. And I would go in with the neuropsychologist and they would test the person. And I'm like, well, I have a Burger King callback I have to get to. And at that point they were like, look, Iris, we love you. We think you're very bright, not brilliant, just bright. Bright is, is nice, um, but you got to decide on your career. And then I said, well, I'm going to be an actor because I think that Burger King callbacks are much more um, stimulating. Uh, for the mind and the soul. So not. But here I am still trucking along. You know, people, I did a, a Super Bowl commercial. Is, is Ophira on already? Let me see, because I see three participants. Oh, Jamie's on. Hi, Jamie. I raved about you already. We'll bring you on in a minute. Um, so you can see participants. Now everybody can see everything. Okay, I'm going to close that. Bubba. Okay. I did a Super Bowl commercial. If you hadn't seen it, and everybody thought that I was going to be a billionaire from this Super Bowl commercial. Because you guys think that because it costs the company a million dollars a second to air, the actors get compensated appropriately. Uh, it was for Reese's Take Five. If you haven't seen the commercial, it's very funny. Okay? And I'm like the lead, if one could be a lead. And all I did was get the day rate. They aired it during the Super Bowl. I had my 30 seconds of glory. And then they threw it on YouTube. And that's it. They threw it on YouTube. And you're done. You're done. I made whatever the SAG day rate is. What is it? 800 bucks or something? I don't know. See this? I'm getting an email from someone. Okay. This is, you can probably see my emails coming in and my Pornhub tab, which I closed. There's a Brazilian film company that keeps emailing me pictures of an apartment, or as the Brazilians say, flat somewhere. And I keep saying, this is not meant for me. I'm not going to Brazil. I mean, it's, it's just as bad as here, <laughs> if not worse. And I'm not looking at an apartment. And who rents apartments through email now. What happened to Airbnb? Long gone are the days where you'd, you'd post about an apartment and then you know, email people pictures, right? Anyway, I kept saying, is this meant for me? 
And then I get more pictures of the kitchen, which does not look impressive. The living room was fine. And then more pictures. And then I said, this is not meant for me. And then the person says, oh, sorry. And now they just sent me more pictures. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't understand. Is there some sort of, this thing is so fucking heavy. I'm just like, ee, 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 ee. it's not a scam. It's a legit email. Uh, and um, I really don't know. Trish, that's right. Trish, you got it right. The, the character in the commercial is Trish. Sorry, I'm going to tighten the screws. Look at this beautiful sunlight. I got to tell you, I think Woody Allen, who did do some good work um, before he was known to be a monster. Ow, my knees. This is how I know I'm getting old. The knees go first, right? The knees go first. Um, Woody Allen said something about the light, the difference in light between LA light and New York light. Now, I'm not doing a New York LA rivalry thing. I love both places. I, I see the joy in both places. Um, I, I never understood rivalry in general. It's like, why can't two places be great? But I do like loyalty to a place, but we don't have to compete. New York is better. Um, anyway, just kidding. But there is a difference in the sunlight. And the, the, sun, the sunlight here in LA is, is relentless. It's extremely intense all the time. And it does make people a little like, Wah! and in New York, maybe because it's not as often, but there's something about maybe how the light breaks or maybe the location on the globe. I don't know. I'm not a, a, a geologist physicist, geologist, because that's how you pronounce it, geologist um, physicist. My fucking knees. Sorry. I'm trying to read more, some kind of, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm just waving. I love it. I love doing the devices. Did my eyebrows yesterday. Can you tell? I don't know. I'm going to bring Ophira on because I love Ophira and why not? So hold on. Uh, Ophira, can you un unmute and, and make your video uh, visible to all? Yay. Okay, now, yay. How do, okay. Hi. Get this. I'm streaming on Instagram live on my phone of the computer screen. It's advanced. Yeah, well, I don't know because now we're cut off because I'm trying because it's like landscape. How do I get? Uh, how do I get oh, you? I see. If I squeeze the window, hold on. This is going to be exciting. Look. Squeeze and the window, please. I did. I squeezed the window. Look at that. God, I'm good. <laughs> um, you look gorgeous. <laughs> Jesus. Look. Oh, that's very nice. You know what? I had my haircut recently. I'm just looking at it in this light. It's very shiny right now. Uh, and I, you know, I think because I was avoiding doing things today. Mm -hmm. uh, I spent a lot, I took a shower and I spent a lot of time, I slowly blow dried my hair. Well, it looks phenomenal. Slower, slower than I ever have. <laughs> well, that's a day. No, but I, I was like, tell maybe. You, it looks so soft and silky. Thanks. I mean, it's Thanks. intense. Okay, beauty products for a minute, but what do you, do you, do you put leave-in conditioner? What's happening? Oh, yeah, it's this spray stuff that you put that my, uh, my hairdresser stylist. talked me into. Okay. It's my hairstylist, yes. This spray stuff that you put on at the end to add shine, and I probably, like, it's probably going to be super greasy um, by tomorrow, like, just, like, right, bacon right. grease yeah. hair, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for, Look at my hair. Uh, for the I did my hair. My hair, I, I used to have nicer hair. I'm, this is a bad hair day, so I'm doing the hat too. But I look, love the hat. Thank you. I love the hat. A, I don't style. So, but it's like, it's so straight. Look at it. It's dry. It looks like pizza crust. I mean, look at this. It's like one big, look, it's just fighting with it. It's just indicative of my mood. I want hair like, like yours. I mean. Well, well I, I'm not sure if this will ever happen again. Okay. <laughs> so I'm glad at I least there was a zoo. I, I do want to I wish there I'm glad there was a Zoom to FaceTime to uh, to Twitch to Quibi recording yeah, I mean, well, of this. Yeah, well, Quibi went went uh, under. We all knew that yes. though. Everyone's like, we're gonna make snackable content with stars. 
And I'm like, we're doing everything. We're watching, we need 19 hours of content a day. Why are we going to do 30 seconds snackable, snackable things? I know, and you know, I don't want any content provider to go down because, of course, we all need as many outlets yeah. as possible. No one's like, calling me from do- Quibi. But it was sort of funny that you know they're like it was you know the timing was just such where they're like it'll be great for people that are commute. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> in the, in the, <laughs> that don't have time to watch any. Because um, when you're going to your this, job, uh, oh. Pig fuck of an election. You don't. You're Canadian, so you didn't vote, right? That's right. Okay. I'm okay. not an American citizen. I don't have the right to vote. Um, well, they said that very dramatically. I love that. Uh, you were like, it was depressing. I'm like, well, in New York, California, we don't count anyway. But um, true, are you of true. the ilk that if Trump gets reelected, you're moving back to Canada? Because a lot of Americans say that. And I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, yeah. So, you know, the thing is, is that I've lived in Canada, so this is not like a mythical, like, and then I'll go to Atlantis. Like, I actually know what this means. <laughs> Uh, and I don't know about you, but just imagine how tired you are right now. Okay, I'm pretty freaking tired. And then, yeah. And then imagine going, all right, now start a new life from scratch in another country. Yeah. You don't, it, yeah. you can't just take everything you've done here and translate it. I'm right. not, and right. I don't mean like, right. it just, it would be like a stamp, you know, establishing places to do, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's still a global pandemic up there. It's better managed, but it still exists. Yes. So it's not like, uh, so anyways, it is on one level, I I definitely toy with this and I toy with it today where I go, at what point will that sacrifice seem worth it? Right. Do you feel, um, how how many years have you been been in New York? 20. 20. I mean, do you feel more of an, not allegiance, I mean, I go, but do you feel like a proud New Yorker versus a proud Canadian? Do they, or they, do you feel equally both? I definitely, I mean, America has certainly brought out my Canadianness. Interesting. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm sorry to all the viewers right now, but I'm not in love with America at all. And yeah. I don't think I ever have, was. But, uh, and I don't even know enough about America, honestly, because I've only ever lived in New York. I think I've been to every state by now, minus one. Oh, wow. Uh, I've, ne- I've never been to Arkansas. No, okay. that's not true. I, w- I went to Little Rock. Scratch that. Uh, you've there been to every one I single been state? To. I think so, yeah. Wow. Alaska? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, Loved Alaska. I was, about, Alaska. I was ready to move to Alaska. Yeah, it looks stunning. It looks, it looks was, unbelievable. Yeah, there was something like about it, too. Yeah, there was something about it, too, that really appealed to me, which was that feeling of like, anybody who chooses Alaska is a certain kind of person. Like, you know, there's people, of course, that grew up in Alaska and stay in Alaska. And then there's the people that come there for work and a certain kind of work. And then there's people who choose Alaska. And it's a very specific kind of person. And it's, uh, they are not, they're not mainstream. And I feel like those people that are not going to to fish or to shoot a movie or, or, you know, tracing back their Inuit roots, they probably have money. (laughs) Yes, there is. Money where they can just independently live. They're not living in some shack. You know what I mean? I feel like it's like Jennifer Lawrence has a summer home in Alaska. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I feel like. So, yeah, and there is a lot of money there. And there's because, like, things open and close because of the weather and the way that the seasons work. I went to a second-hand store, like a vintage store in Anchorage, yeah, yeah. where it was the most beautiful, 
stuff I'd ever seen in my entire, like I was just, <laughs> and it was all dirt cheap because there's a lot of wealth there yeah. uh, and there's not a lot of market. So is people there a lot just, of fashion? I mean, is Anchorage like the fashion hub that we weren't aware of? I guess because there's money, there's still like, you know, parties and things and okay. places to look, right. you know, and it's still orgies. has. I've heard the orgies in Alaska are Orgies, got to stay warm. Gotta stay, yeah. They are hot. <laughs> exactly. They are hot. <laughs> Uh, so anyways, I still have a lot of things. I bought a lot of things at that secondhand store. Because oh, wow. uh, secondhand stores in New York are terrible. Of course, it's like $500 for a Banana Republic sweater from 1984. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, yeah, exactly. for an old navy with like a, a hole. In exactly, exactly. I don't understand what's happening. And then you drag all of your stuff there, and they look at it and go, no. Yeah. And you're like, but I, you put yourself in an old Navy shirt. And they're yeah. like, oh, because that was the year that, you know, whatever, Chrissy Teigen <laughs> breathed it on everything, and so it's expensive. There's a store here. I don't know if it's Crossroads. There's, no, there's a store here that is so snooty with their selections that you really end up feeling like you're less of a human. You know what I mean? <laughs> like impeccable. I can come in with like a Chanel blazer, you know what I mean? And they'll be like... That was, so, this is so not in vogue. And I'm like, but it's all good. And you come out feeling like you're ugly and fat. Like most of the time when you're roaming around LA, you feel like you're ugly and fat. I mean, maybe New York is like, there's, New York has a lot of gorgeous people, but there's the, the reservoir here in Silver Lake. And I started walking around it because that's my only exercise because I'm, you know, I'm now a donut. I've gained 15 pounds and I don't do anything. But everybody there is so fit. It's like literally a fucking Lululemon commercial. Everybody, like the length of their leg is me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, literally, your butt is where my face is. Like, I... oh, sorry. It's like a bunch of giraffe people. Yeah. Um, it's... Have, the, have, the, have the gyms opened up there? I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I was, I had a phase in my life where I joined gyms and I had memberships and I never went. Like, this time I'm going to pay for crunch and that's going to make me go. Yeah, right. Make no. me go. I mean, um... But back to the election, my point being, do you have any sort of um, angst or investment? Oh, my God. this weird detachment oh my, where you're like, no. this is not my country. Do you feel that a little bit? I wish. I wish. Okay. I couldn't even watch even the, like, I could, I, I did watch them. But I basically watched the debates, you know. Well, that uh, was torture. I had to watch. Yeah. Uh, but even the VP debates, which was, I would say, much more palatable, because I get so emotionally involved, and I'm I'm so I see this. I, the dichotomy for me is so intense yeah. that I I don't feel like it's a bunch of politicians. I don't feel like it's um, like we're all okay, and these people are just rattling on about a bunch of policies. <laughs> I feel like we are seeing a honest to god battle between good and evil. Like it, it yeah, gets. Yeah, yeah. I find it so emotional, and I'm like. Yes. Will good win? Will good win? <laughs> it is. It is. It's, it's so interesting. I started doing this um, course. I'm interested in, in DBT. Have you heard of DBT? It's not like a drug. It's not DMT. It's DBT. It's dialectical behavioral therapy. Okay, so it's cool. This, it's like cognitive behavioral. It's, it's this woman, Marshall, and I'm going to have the head of the institute or one of them come talk, but it's this woman who designed tools to combat the visceral effects of people that are emotionally sensitive. Oh, so now you can, guys can see my texts. Can you see the text on the Instagram? God damn it, so weird, sorry. I can't tell what's on screen. Um, uh, it was just, it's not, it's luckily it's not dirty. I'm not getting dirty texts from anybody, by the way. I know, mm. yeah, but it's, it's unfortunate, but that's okay. Um, anyway, it, tools, like when you're feeling um, overly like fraught with emotion, 
that you dunk your head in a bowl of ice water and it initiates this thing called the diving response in your body and all the emotions just kind of flatline immediately. It's really oh. amazing. So if you're feeling, like I said, overwhelmed or, or angst or like, you know, people, I don't suffer from panic attacks, but people that do in the ice water and you come out, and you're like, oh, like it's kind is of that, amazing. But is that that thing? Like it's a, you know, terrible movie scene. That's oh, is that Woody Allen film or Alec Baldwin? No, I just think of like any scene when there's someone hysterical and they basically throw them in a cold shower. Yeah, I think it is that. I think it is. I think it, it, it activates your central nervous system, I guess. Or I don't know what it does, but it works. But that, that's and not it always looks terrible. I'm always like, please. No. <laughs> I'm not taking a class on ice water dunking, like you know, Bob for apples. But um, what else you got? What else you got? Other yeah, than I know. The ice I know. Water. I don't have any other tools right now. But it is it is practical tools for. I don't want to say mindfulness because that word annoys me because it's overused. Um, but as opposed to talk therapy where you're like, okay, I know the reason behind the thing. This is like, do this. You know what I mean? Dunk your head in ice. Can, I, right now. can I tell you what I yelled off of my balcony Please. yesterday after Please. like the millionth email I received, which I appreciate that was telling me, you know, that here's a meditation you can do for election day. <laughs> well, that was Here, me. Was that some... my fault? I think I said that. <laughs> That every, I mean, it was at all angles, and I, I just yelled, "Are any Republicans meditating?" Right. No. No, no. that's a very okay. apt observation. That's an apt observation. I, I feel like they it's transcend just... meditation. They're living on a different <laughs> plane of existence. That's what it is. That's you know? what it is. They don't have to. They have the God genes, and yeah. when you have the God genes, you don't have to meditate. It's just I for us oh, heathens who are trying to figure it out. The reason I brought up DBT, there was a reason is that one of the things they talk about, and I do this anyway, because as actors and writers, we're good at perspective taking, is always to, um, you know, perspective of the other person, right? And, and get that compassion and find the kernel of truth. Going, no matter how crazy someone else's behavior is, there's that kernel of truth in there that you can access and kind of understand them a little better. Now I'm trying mm. to do that with, with uh, Donnie and I'm not finding any, there's, I got nothing. I got no compassion, I got no kernel of truth. No, it must be, it must be great though. Just think if everything he said like spoke to you personally. Yeah, you're right. Can yeah. you imagine yeah. how great the last four years? It'd be like Keith Raniere. <laughs> oh God. Like sometimes I feel so isolated and alone and I'm like, why, why is our, all these efforts for nothing? And, da, da, da. and then I remember that there's all these people. Well, it turns out now that we have the numbers, 50% of America, yes. hopefully not 51, who um, have been hanging off of every word being like, oh, it's wonderful. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, like, sometimes <laughs> you go like, oh. I, th it is possible to live a different reality through this whole situation. Yeah, you're It right. is possible that your neighbor is having the time of their life right now. Yeah, you know, I think it is cult of personality or it's people that no matter what happens, see this meaning in there or, you know what I mean? Or when you have your savior, so to speak, it get, makes life easier because the tragedy of life and existence doesn't hit you in the same way. It's like people that are, you know, yeah. Orthodox Jews that see every tragedy is like, or not just Orthodox Jews, but any religion, right? This is God's will. This is Extreme. God's will. Right. Uh, and so when you have this guy, no matter what's happening with COVID, all these states that are like in droves, people are getting, you know what I mean? So I'm like, what, what is that? What is that disconnect? Is it just, oh, you know, he's there. Everything's going to be okay. Or is it denial of reality? Who knows? I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. My did did your son ever read a graphic novel called Dogman? No, but it sounds disturbing. Yeah, no, it's just cute. It's by the same okay. guy who wrote Captain Underpants. I ah, feel okay. like it's very okay. yeah. And so uh, my son just got one of them, but I was reading a few pages, and basically the bad cat, the bad cat, um, has a magic ray that takes all the words. Uh, it makes all the words on every book disappear. Ooh, sounds like and Hitler. And so all all the words <laughs> all around the world takes all. And what happens to the people? They get dumber and dumber and dumber. And so then the cat's watching the news, and they're, you know, this is what's written. This is so for like young boys. It's yeah, like yeah. they're going, doi, double doi, super doi, because they just are getting dumber and dumber. Because they all, it was reading the books that made people smarter and smarter. Now there's no words, and wow. so they're just getting dumber and dumber. And they keep getting dumber and dumber. And then the cat, the evil cat, has some secret books in his lair, and Dogman, the hero goes and finds the books because it's just the world is falling apart and no one everyone's just saying stupid things and doing stupid things and there's just it's meaningless oh and so god this is the book. to read or jump off a cliff i mean it's I, like... listen i was reading this thing last night and i was just like this is too yeah. much it's this a lot it's a lot because you know what anything too close to home is upsetting right um, oh, so disturbing. Yes. I was like, this is supposed to be fun? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the words disappear and then you die. Okay, great. Can I get the sequel? No, first you get so stupid. Yeah. And then you die. And then yeah. you die. Okay, which is a better way to go because then you're like, oh, what? Death? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. true. That's huh? true. Yeah. What? Spicoli, right? right? <laughs> um, can I make a confession? Uh, oh God! I, yes. I, I went to get um, Invisalign. Oh God! Yes. You know the yeah. Invisalign. Yeah. Okay. I've always so wanted it. I went. Um, I got them years ago, and then I spent a fortune, and then I lost the last tray, and within two weeks, my teeth moved back to where they were initially. Right. So it's like a pogrom down here. Okay. Long story short, I find a dentist in Atwater, and this is during the pandemic, and I go in, and I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe. She has her mask, you know, the, the old nose mask. This is the dentist, so I'm sitting oh, yeah. you know, with my mouth open. Okay. She takes the measurements with the putty. I'm a little nervous, but I'm like, fine. It was quick. This is the beginning of the pandemic, so I was really nervous. All right. They finally get the trays in. I go in there, and the two nurses are not wearing masks. We're in a dentist. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I said, and I, you know, because I'm so codependent, I had to make up an excuse, and I said to the dentist, I go, I'm high risk. Can you ask the nurse to put a mask on? Because what am I going to say? Could you put a mask on because you're a cycle? I'm right. high risk. I may be at high risk for punching you in the face. So then the, the nurse hears me. She's this very large, I, she looked Russian, like that. Like literally Nurse Ratchet, like <laughs> glared at me and then didn't put the mask. I was like terrified. Moving on, she suddenly glues these attachments to my teeth. There's like these little nubs here to hold the tray in place. And now I look like a vampire. Can you tell? I can't tell because okay, of good. the Zoom world, but that's... They're really annoying. It's really annoying. I'm just saying. Right okay. Yeah, Do yeah. you have COVID symptoms? No, no. I know. <laughs> okay. I was nervous about that, but the, but the attachments in the COVID are unrelated, but it was... A, I oh got annoyed gosh. that I felt like I had to make an excuse and say I'm high risk, but I feel like people do that because no one wants to get into an altercation. Um, well, right. Because, because you make a great point, and I, I, I think about this all the time. 
because I see people in the subway with their masks like this, yes. you're not wearing them. And you, especially when it's like this, you want to just say like, please, can you just, because you yes. know, like yes. this negates everything. But the problem is, because I do the thing, just like you were saying, perspective. So I go, all right, why could they, po why could, is it that they have a hard time breathing? You know what, it's not, it, it's so easy to breathe with these things on. Is the glass fogging up? I, oh, but they don't have glasses. Is it, like I try to figure it out and then you realize, it's a choice it is a choice yes and that's the problem well it's also I feel like and we don't have to go bitch about the anti-mask you know but on the plane over on the plane back to LA the one in front of me did not wear a mask the whole flight um she had nails the size of like four inch nails like claws so I knew she was going to scratch my eye out so I didn't say anything I'm like I'd rather get COVID than fight with this woman oh my God. but this other woman with three children was doing the whole this thing and I said, do you mind? And I'm so not, I'm like, do you mind putting it on your nose? And she again glared at me and didn't do it or, or did it, but glared at me. And I'm like, why is that the reaction? Is this something, you know what I mean? And I'm like, so it's the personality of the person who's doing it in the first place. So it's kind of a given that they're going to be dicks about it. And I haven't taken a flight, but I, I'm, I'm now hearing that the flight attendants don't, don't enforce this. She, I mean, the, the, the first the woman, the flight attendant on, on Delta said, um, please put your mask on. And she did as we took off. And then the minute we took off, she took it completely off, like in a pouch in, in the, you know. Um, but flying is very safe. So I'm not worried about that. Like you enter, yeah. are you flying somewhere? No. Oh, okay. No, but flying is fine. It's the airport. And then when you land, which is the nightmare, when you're stuck on the plane after you land and the ventilation stops. Oh, yeah. In a COVID bubble. And if they go, please keep your distance. And nobody does. It's this. It's of like course not. Business as usual. Um, oh my God! Like, it's that's the sun. Let me tell you something. There's no. It was a nice day today, but that sun is just. Um, it's yeah. It's I want it. I want to. I want to grab the sun off of you. You can have the silky hair. I'm grabbing the sun. Please. I'm grabbing the sun. Look at this. It's like scarecrow. Um, you've been again. I always rave about the amount you perform because I feel like. You have been able to actually do more during the pandemic because you don't have to spend time traveling. You can pack in like 14 shows a day and hosting. No. Last time we talked, you interviewed Riza, which made me like a little oh, wet. Oh yeah, that was cool. Um, who do, I know you just had Chelsea. How was that, Chelsea Handler? Good, you know, it's so funny because the, our next episode is Sarah Paulson. So oh. just the way we, and we tape these things out of order and all over the place. So the way this worked is that I interviewed Chelsea and then I had a half an hour break and then I interviewed Sarah. And I will say this, the comic, Chelsea Handler, was quite serious. Yeah, yeah. And the s serious actor playing like some of the biggest horror movie characters yes. on the planet was completely silly and comical. I love that. Well, some yeah. comics feel either a need to be taken seriously so they get serious. I usually think it's a choice. They don't feel like being on or whatever. I don't know. But she, she yeah, I mean, we were talking about more serious subject matter, honestly, because um, that's what, you know, that's what she's sort of yeah. into right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and she just did the special, and it does have a pretty serious edge to it. Okay. So uh, or it has a story at the end, which is much more serious so I think that's like kind of where she is right now okay uh, but she did it was pretty funny I didn't bring it up because of course we don't get political on this NPR show because right. NPR whatever you think about it is fair and balanced yes and we follow yes, the journalistic yes, yes. guidelines they all of, hate Trump um, but it's fair and balanced uh -huh. it's fair and balanced and so she said she just brought up 50 cents tweet yes yes the 50 cent tweet the, the fact that they were dating 
surprised me. But whatever. I don't know why I was surprised. I just, maybe they were great together. But uh, And then she just said that she called him up and gave him a really, really hard time about it. And they talked. And, like, not to worry, he's voting for Biden. And I was like, breaking news. (laughs) Breaking news. (laughs) You know what? I was like, we're not going to air that. So it was just fascinating. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love that she, like, gave (laughs) Shit. And then he's like, oh, sorry, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. Um, I know. I was like, like now that I talk to you, I'm going to make it like, yeah, that's really funny. You know, she gave me the quote to my book, to Dork Whore. She gave me my little, uh, I guess, not the pull quote. What do you call them? The the quote? Like the blurb on your, uh, on the front? On the top. Yeah. 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 That was fun. What what was it? I don't remember what the quote was. Something about, this is all the stuff that you're dying to hear from a friend the next day or all the guys you find. I don't remember what it was. But, um, Years later, I saw her like last year or stand up New York. She came to do a talk or whatever. And I said, you gave me my quote for door court. She's like, oh, yeah. She was very nice. She seemed very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. And she seems grounded and salty, just as you think. She seems like she is who she is. Yeah. I, I felt like uh, I was getting a totally real experience yeah. with her. Which, And you're right in saying that because it's not always. Even though I will say, like, as you know right now, I mean, we know each other. But when you are interviewing and talking to people on Zoom and they're, you, they're usually in their house, yes. like rare circumstances, it, I feel like half the pretense is dropped. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, you do this a lot more than I do. I haven't interviewed that many celebrities. There have been a couple of people that I've seen this mask, you know what I mean? Where I'm trying to ask about relationships and not to dig for drama, but I'm like, but everything was, no, it was great. It was a great, we talked about this, right? right. I'm blessed, it was an honor, it was this, it was that. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly, thank and, you, gratitude. Yeah, Can't gratitude and the co-stars, and we all wonderful. got along. So it's so refreshing <laughs> when someone's actually willing to talk shit about somebody else in a, in a real way, you know what I mean? Like I had a friend, yeah. you know, actor who's like, yeah, this director was a dick. I'm like, okay, great. You may not work for this director again, but at least you have the, you know, it was, so it feels real, um, and I think you're right. When someone's in the house, their guard goes down 100%. Yeah, and they sort of forget. They forget that, you know, I, I mean, no one yet has said to me, you know, oh, my God, make sure you take this out. Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah, do yeah. think so, sometimes it just feels so casual. Right. That you're just like. <laughs> it's also a place of privilege, right, where you can just be like, I can just disclose everything to you, and it has no bearing on Add me. it out. On this planet. That um, is the largest microphone I've ever seen on the planet, <laughs> I got to tell you. Is that a boom mic? Do you have a boom operator underneath that? Hey, Johnny! <laughs> give me a break. Um, it's, I use it because I do all my VOs at home, but I bought yeah. it. Usually I would hold it down here, and it doesn't look as yeah. big. But I bought this stand to make myself more comfortable, and it's so heavy. And now I don't know what to do with it because up here it's useless. So I'm just, it's like I'm going to cradle it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, like um, yeah, just cradle a little like bit. Like a little you know, teddy bear. I was going to ask you something else. God damn it. But important. yeah, I, I, I try to do things. You know, my style is always the same. Am I doing stuff right now? I mean, whatever. I feel like this, there's outdoor store, shows still in New York. You know, Are we're you having going a to the nice cellar? Week. You've been doing the cellar? The, the secret inside seller shows? The plexiglass cube? No, okay. I'm not doing inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. Uh, I think, you know, because I, uh, yeah, I, I have a kid in I get a it. school. Uh, I have a commitment. I, I would kill myself if I somehow yeah. got COVID, gave it to COVID, and I'd be like, oh, it was because of that night that, that I knew. That 15-minute set that borderline. I did old jokes on. Yeah. 
that I, you know, that was borderline. You know, and someone, I forget who it was, someone very funny put out this tweet, and I'm just summarizing my own words, but it's so right. It's like, you know, the Olympics was canceled. canceled. Yeah. Can you imagine being an athlete who has trained basically your entire life? You finally That's got true. your shot. It's been canceled. And they were like, the Olympics were canceled. You know, your comedy show can also wait. I don't understand one thing, though. I feel like they could have had the Olympics without spectators if they just tested all the athletes, just like they're doing with NFL and NBA. You know what I mean? There's, there was a way to do it because all these, a lot of these athletes, this is that they're, they're shot. Like if they're devastated, doubt, they're done. I guess, I mean, I'm just going to assume that it is such a money-making venture that yeah, once maybe. you can't sell those tickets, it's like Doesn't not even worth sense. doing. In yeah. the Olympic Village, everybody was fucking all the time. I know that that was a big thing. Supposedly. All these like, athletic people, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, hormones and steroids, oh they're ready to God. go. <laughs> yeah, just and, and, like their bodies are better than they will ever be. And I they're, mean, just they're just all going. just like, come on. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all like, <laughs> exactly. like, attractive and just ah, full of gate rage. Yeah, wait. right. It's like, I came in fourth. Who wants to help me out here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm depressed, but I'm still energized. Um, so you're not going to come out to the West Coast anytime soon? I, I mean, I would love to, in theory. Okay. I just have no reason to reason. because okay. there's a pandemic. Okay, fine. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just trying to organize a West Coast comedy show. So I'm just trying oh, to get that's a, like, great a idea. nice lineup. You guys... You guys are doing stuff outside more. No one's doing anything outside. I think Stand Up New York is now starting to do shows here, but there's such a lack of foot traffic. There's no live music. Like, it's killing me. It's like, this is yeah. all just parks and humans, but it's not the same vibe. I think people are isolated and they're not, maybe there's a live music I'm not aware of, but it's because you're not going to get any pedestrians. You know what I mean? You're not going right. to get random right. people coming by. So it's not the same as, as New York. I mean, you know, so I feel like we have the weather for it. So I think Stand Up New York is starting to work on it. So maybe I'll help, you know, or put my own comedy show together with this microphone. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's getting cool here. That's why I think this might be the last week or something. But all the comics, I mean, this is what's funny because some of the comics were like, oh, no, no, no. This is going to go to the end of November because, you know, we'll just all bundle up and stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but the audience won't. <laughs> I feel like they have enough. The audience. <laughs> God. It's, you know, it's I was, like, well, <laughs> there's, there's a slew of massacre. The crowd you're going to get is either very desperate, very lonely, or just homeless. I mean, you're not going to get a family of four freezing their ass off, sitting on a wet blanket in Central Park to see some comics. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, I wish I could show you the sunset right now, Ophira, because it is stunning. I can. But I, I can see this like kind of reddish orange reflection on your gorgeous. blonde shelving behind yes. you. Well, look how messy this cabinet is. There's like I can't see it at all. It's just okay, darkness good. in there. It's posters, toilet paper, and rice. Can I show you the massive bag of rice <laughs> I bought by accident? I'm just going to show you this. We're going to wrap up with this. Hold on one second. <laughs> okay, please bring out the biggest. I hope it's basmati. That's the that's the stuff I like buying in the bag. <laughs> oh. Oh my goodness. Okay, can I tell you, I, that is, wow, that is a bit, that's a bit of rice. This thing is so heavy. I mean, I could literally, and I didn't know it was a big bag. I thought it was just, I was, it was the panic mode when, you know. Yep. So, um, just be careful once you open it, how you reseal it. Actually, you'll be fine, but I remember in Montreal, when I was living in college in Montreal, uh, I had a big bag of rice like that. 
Uh, now there's a few other things going on, but for, don't worry about it. And then one day it was, I, we, you know, we ate some, and then we had it on top of, you know, the counter. And I was making myself coffee in the morning, and I just heard this like, and I was like, where is that coming from? And basically, mice had found oh. the big sack of rice, oh, and they God. were having the time of their life. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> Munching okay. away. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I hard. grabbed the rice, by, the sack by the top of it, and I ran it outside to the little fire escape, and I just, like, threw it down, and it opened up, and all these mice just came okay. out of it. <laughs> so I'm just seeing uh, okay. seal it up. Seal it. We, we didn't seal it up. This one doesn't have even like a, a resealable because this is for restaurants. They're just making this is one yeah. night at, at you know Ichiban Khan. <laughs> um, and then I have this to eat with my rice. I got my little packet, oh, my keg of rice. Um, where can people um, see you live next, my love? Live and in person tomorrow night. I'm doing a, a New York Comedy Club. Uh, outdoor show right on uh, their original space which I laughed when they said that because I was like original as of four months ago right <laughs> we, we, re we really get into it yeah it's on 23rd and 6th Avenue on the uh, it's a rooftop and oh, right uh, okay. yeah hopefully it won't rain or snow or be windy <laughs> and hopefully Biden will be president by then. let's not talk about that because I know you're an NPR uh, Fingers, fingers. Fingers, fingers. Thank you for joining me. Uh, a pleasure. As all. I could talk to you for hours. I'm going to bring up Jamie, who's in London, and had to wake up at you know, oh, to stay amazing. up so late. So um, stick around. Love you. No desire. You know what? Your hat, you look a great in a wide brim hat. I'd just like to say that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Thank you. Look it looks at really good. The little vampire, the little attachment. <laughs> can't see them. See yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you. Okay. Thank you. I love you, too. Bye. Soon. Bye. Um, next up, yeah, I, I do like the hat. I do like the hat. Uh, look at this. I'm still on Instagram Live. This is fantastic. I'm going to sneeze, though, before I bring Jamie up. Jamie, can you uh, unmute and make yourself visible? Yay! Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Not too bad. I'm liking the hat, too. Thank you. I Thank think you. I like the bag of rice even more. That was quite impressive. <laughs> People have started stockpiling here again, so you can't buy rice. Really? I We're mean, what happened with all these months? Did people really think that they weren't, there wasn't going to be a second wave and they got kind of lackadaisical? I don't know. I mean, everyone's kind of been expecting it. But yeah. I, I don't get the whole stockpiling. It's not like the shops are closing, or, closing right. or any of the supplies are running out. But toilet roll's gone. Rice is gone. I mean, what is yeah. it, a toilet roll? Yeah, I don't know. I always, the toilet paper, I did live on paper towels for a couple of weeks because I ran out of toilet paper. But then I just, you know, you got the shower head. You always have the shower head. You always got the, you know what I mean? There's always a way to do it, just like they do in Thailand, right? They don't even use toilet paper. They just pfft, rinse it out. Um, I'm very honored to have you on. I know. Thank you for staying up late. What time is it there now? 1 a.m.? It's about 1 a.m. or something like that. Okay, but you look wide day. awake. You look perky. Really? I, I, yeah. That's probably that's probably the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, spoken like a true Scotsman. Tell me a little bit. Uh, give me give everyone an overview of your work um, and what you've been doing recently. I mean, obviously you haven't been able to go into the lab, right? Well, tell me a little about your work. Give an overview. Yeah. Well, I'm. Um, you you were calling me a neuroscientist, and I feel like a charlatan saying I'm a neuroscientist. Well, I, 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 you know. I work in neuroscience. My, I'm an engineer and I make um, wearable computers, sensors that you put on people to sort of figure out, well, what they're doing. So it's, it's kind of invasive 
little brother kind of stuff. Okay. So it's, it's tracing um, the brain waves or is it all it over the body? body? Like how your body moves or okay. what your eyes are doing or things like Fitbit. That's the same kind of idea. That's kind of wearable sensing, trying to understand what your, you know, how many steps you've taken or how's your heart doing, that sort of thing. So that's my background in that kind of area. And I quit it a few years ago and then I went into acting. As one but, does. As one does. And there was something about the wearable sensing that was like navel gazing. It's all about like, well, how's my heart and how's, how many steps have I walked? And it's all about me, me, me and the individual. And I got kind of a bit fed up with that. Um, and while I was working in, in, in theatre, I found that it was this, this interesting thing about all these, um, all these like the interactions we have in our daily lives that when we recreate them on stage as actors or we recreate them on film in a very convincing way, um, it, it allows us to sort of explore them in a way. It's like the oldest laboratory in the world to explore social interactions. And I'd been thinking a while about like, how can we then do all the stuff I was doing before with the sensing to try and use that to understand social interactions, not just about individuals, but the social thing. And that drew me towards the sort of, well, if we understand the interactions and the behavior, what does that say about what's going on in the brain? So it connected to neuroscience. So okay. I, I, I made this sort of arc where I jumped back into research and started doing, well, working with neuroscientists and trying to understand the brain, but the social brain. So what goes on in your brain when you fall in love or when you, um, when you get on with someone or you fall out with someone? And, and can you're, you use you're studying it through just the, the body language like or is it through through functional mri like when you're saying what does the body do when you like you know fall in love or things like that yeah. so what aspects of falling in love you're talking about the central nervous like the heart rate and those symptoms that we feel or are you thinking about other things like how our body moves in space all of it actually so whatever we can get because you can't really look into the brain you can't really see what someone's thinking so you all you've got are the clues we give off and yeah, you could stick a brain, put someone in a brain scanner and try and figure out like, you know, are some neurons being activated or is there some blood flow to a part of the brain? But it doesn't really tell you what you're thinking. It doesn't no. really, really, we don't really understand the brain enough to be able to say a lot of things from that. But we do understand body language. We do understand little facial gestures and, you know, eye contact. We're pretty good at that as humans. But as scientists, we don't really understand all of that. We don't know how to break down. What, what does it mean? What's, what is this body language? And what is these little things like a nod, like you nod your head when you understand or when you're wanting someone to hurry up or if you're listening to them. There's all these little subtle differences of behavior. It's just simple things of movement, which have a big complex nonverbal language. So I, I, I'm interested in using whatever sensors you can do to sort of capture all this sort of stuff and try and, um, you know, just to understand it a bit better. Now, when you do that work, do you end up interviewing your subjects to a great extent? Because obviously their experience of it is just more than just the physical aspects. Yeah, well, yeah, basically doing surveys and things like that. So your typical kind of psychology experiments where you will, you know, you'll be asked a bunch of questions on a Likert scale. How much did you like this person from one to five or something like that? What we found in some of the experiments we've done, though, is that those results are never as useful as what the body's been saying so that mm -hmm. people people's physicality um, often gives up a lot more information than what they're answering i guess what we're saying is we don't we're not always truthful when we write we, we answer these surveys and um, very often we're not so you can actually get a lot more information just from body movement 
So what are some of the salient findings that you, you know, some of the conclusions that you've found? Because obviously things like love, the most elusive, you know, we still can't even, even from an evolutionary sense, you know, I get that we feel attraction and, and love, you know, those feelings of love or, or unconditional love to justify certain survival of our species and taking care of our offspring and things like that. But that's gotten so damaged over the years that I feel like it's hard to define love in any productive evolutionary way, except that it feels good, you know, but yeah. in terms of people falling in love with the wrong person, you know, there's so much baggage and history that goes into how our emotional life responds as adults that how do you deduce it? You know what I mean? How do you even yeah, deduce anything it's, towards it's, evolution or what it, why we do it or whatever? Yeah. I mean, it's so complex and there's so many complexities in there. And one of the first hurdles that you fall at is when we try to define it, like, you know, like love in particular, it is so multifaceted. Um, even just like naming emotions, oh, we can detect happiness or sadness. Already you're going to fail because what looks like happiness in some one person might sadness and another person there's there's so many so much variety there so what we've been trying to do is more um rather than try to detect love or detect happiness sadness and all of these sort of things and there's a lot of people working on that we're kind of more interested in just trying to find out um things like engagement whether two people are engaged with each other in the sense that they are um paying attention to one another so maybe we could focus on attention and one of the things that was useful to study that was like you say we've, we're really we've been we're always trying to learn how to read each other's uh, emotions and social interactions and we fail at that at different degrees but some people find it even harder than others so like autistic people generally it's characterized by difficulty um reading non-verbal signals so reading all these emotional signals and these social signals so a lot of the work we do is with autistic people and um we do some projects with some autistic children where the thing that was assumed about them was that they just some some i'll caveat this these are autistic children with learning difficulties um, okay so unable to speak in some cases um quite difficult for them to to get on in the world really and the assumption was they don't do face con eye contact they won't do any social signal reading they won't engage with anyone really socially but I wanted to test that a little bit. So we put sensors on some autistic kids while they were involved in a theater game. So I work with a theater company called Flute and they do theater games with autistic kids. Um, these are very physical games. And they're, they're wrapped into a sort of like, you know, maybe they'll do a Midsummer Night's Dream, a Shakespeare play, but it'll be a simplified version of it with like, um, um, like you know, when there's eye contact being made, they'll make, like stocks on eyes or they'll say, I love you. And very physical, very big. Anyway, this company had really great success with some autistic kids that were otherwise struggling. And we put sensors on them all. And what we were interested in was finding whether people moved together, whether they synchronized with each other or not. And the hypothesis was that the autistic kids would not synchronize. But we found the opposite. We found that there were moments where these kids were really, really synchronizing, really moving together with the actors, but just in non-standard ways. So like you and I would be sitting there and we'd be maybe nodding our heads and subtly in time with the actors as they do their thing. What one of the kids was doing, they weren't moving their head, but they were shaking their hand in time to the movement on stage. Mm. So we were able to find like these social interactions of engagement, but they were just non-standard. 
So that's the kind of stuff we've been trying to work on um, well, recently. Have you found that, um, I'm gonna go bring another light. I I'm slowly fading into darkness here. So I feel like I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. turn on a light so you can see me or not. Maybe it's better to- Is that the sun going down completely then? Um, it, it's, it's going, it's going. It's time, it's you know five o'clock. It's time for the sun to go down. But um, have you found, just, just as we have these kind of standardized, you know, the nodding, is that certain, certain gestures that we do, I'm assuming are cultural, but certain are also just common to all humans. Um, but have you found amongst the autistic population, is there a standardized, instead of nodding, is the hand the one that gestures? Or did you find a, a, a divergence amongst every autistic child is unique in how their body responds to the same cue? I mean, we haven't done all of the work on that. That's okay. something to be studied in future. What, what I can see from just doing those initial studies was that, yeah, there's, it's, it's, everyone's different. Everyone yeah. has their, yeah. own, their own ways. Um, there was something in the hand movements, but it was at different times and with different activities. So mm. some children move their hands at certain times and others at other times. So the, I think there'd be more research to be done in that. And luckily, I just got a sort of this year, got a grant, a bunch of grants to do some more research in this area. So mixing theatre, autism, neuroscience and sensing. Um, but then the pandemic hit. So we've not really been able to do an awful lot. What is the ultimate goal? I'm sure there's many ultimate goals, but is the ultimate goal um, to establish almost like, because I'm assuming, I'm assuming that the deaf, deaf people have a much higher acuity in terms of perception of, of visual, you know, language, body language than hearing people because that's, the, that's everything they're going on, which is why my heart mm. goes out during the pandemic when everyone's wearing masks, how their world has suddenly really shifted. Same with autistic kids and kids with learning disabilities that don't have the cues, you know, the, the facial yeah. cues to go off of. Um, but what are the main goals? Is to try and design or establish a language that can be used kind of almost like ESL, you know what I mean? Um, mm. uh, uh, not ESL, sorry, the um, sign language, the Amer ASL, whatever. ESL, ESL, ESL. Uh, what are your goals, I'm saying, in terms of as a research? What would you like to discover yeah. or find out? I mean, the first bit is trying to understand what's going on because we don't. And then from that, there would be applications that, I mean, that would, that would, that would mark themselves out. One of them would be, you know, could it be an interpreter, or a, a wearable tool that helps them be able to see, ah, this person is signaling to you or um, to help them get on in day-to-day -day life. Another thing, though, more immediately, one of the things we're currently building is um, a support for teachers in schools. So I, I work with some autistic schools where you'll have a teacher with maybe five to 10 kids under, under their care at a time. And each of those children have very different ways of expressing themselves and engaging. Right. And the teacher can't always keep an eye on all of them. So if we could build an automated tool, like, you know, if they could put, wear a discrete little device that could detect these levels of engagement, then that could be something that the teacher could say, oh, that activity I did today with, with John worked really, really well. So we'll do it again. So it could give them feedback to help them. Uh, oh, wow. That's their, amazing. Okay. Their... Hold on. Talk. I, you know, I'm getting on Instagram. People are so enthused by your Scottish accent because here in America, I was fascinated <laughs> by accents. So you talk for a minute, just ramble about the election. I'm going to bring a light. Oh, the election. Yeah, well, that's that's the bit I've been trying to avoid. It's been depressing me, <laughs> as everyone else. Oh, you've gone. You really have left me all alone. This is going to be illuminative. Oh my goodness! There we 
Have you got it? Ah. Wow, that's better. There we go. Illuminated. Lord. Ah, I can see you now. <laughs> it was getting very sensual for a minute. It was well, like, hi, let's talk about your research, Jamie. I'm starting to get all kind of a little... <laughs> I just... Um, I, I'm sorry that I've let the beard grow this day. This is sort of like kind of a, a laziness thing or a, a, a pre-lockdown preparation for just... Well, why are you sorry? It looks good. I don't know why. No, I don't I mean, know. It's, it's, it's got one of those things like that typical Celtic thing. It comes out ginger and wiry. Oh, ginger. Yeah, poor gingers. Why, why, why do we not like gingers? What did gingers do at the dawn of man that made us have that response? Oh, I gingers are hot. I've got a lot of love for the gingers. My granny was one. I think that's probably oh. why I've got it in, my, in my, my facial hair. I think women gingers have it better because a lot of men think that women gingers are sexy. But you know, remember that actor Eric Stoltz? He was a ginger. I thought he was hot. Do you remember him? What's that wee the wee singer boy called that everyone really likes? The wee singer. I don't know. Wee ginger singer. I don't know. Justin Very famous. No, the other one, I they're all they're all but I, I find what it is is it helps me remind it reminds me where I came from. Like there every time go. I go to lie down in the pillow, it's sort of like wiry wool. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's like sleeping on tweed. And I kind of, oh, geez, what's that? Oh, it's a jaggy, it's my jaggy beard. And it reminds me, it reminds me where I came from. So it's always, it's always nice. Your roots. Um, are you from Edinburgh? No, I'm from Glass Glasgow. Okay, you're a Glaswegian. I just wanted to show off that I knew that. That's all right. But it was, it's, it's 20 years since I've lived there. So I've okay. probably, um, I, have to, I, have all, I have to do all these little reminders. I, I even got a mask that was kind of tartan. Oh, look at that. Did you ever wear uh, a kilt? Yeah. Do you own a kilt? Aye, aye. And in school, I know here in school, they shove the kids' recorders to play. Did they shove you guys' bagpipes? Is that like the standard <laughs> instrument that you have to learn in third grade? No. Okay. No. When I was growing up, actually, all of that, that sort of thing was frowned upon. It was very much we were a bit embarrassed about the whole tartan and the shortbread and the haggis and all that. It was, it was sort of like a bit twee. Ed so I think Sheehan. It's just Someone wrote your Ed, Ed Sheehan. And that's Daniel B. <laughs> Daniel B wrote it. Daniel B wrote. Daniel B's on. And you wrote Ed Sheeran. Thank you, Daniel B, aka Haggis Lover. Sheeran. Sheeran. Oh, is it Sheeran? Sorry. Sorry. I'm 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 amazed. You know, it's interesting. I'm writing, and then I want to go back to your research because I'm still fascinated by this. But um, I'm writing a I'm adapting a TV pilot that I wrote to take place in Wales. It was originally gonna, you know, so I'm adapting it. I know nothing about Wales. So I finally got some Welsh people to talk to me. Um, anything, any sort of quality besides the fact that, you know, Richard Burton and, and Tom Jones are from there. Um, anything about the Welsh? Where are they in the hierarchy? Because I know that UK, you, you English people, you, UK, not English, have the hierarchy, right? Are the Scots at the top, then come the oh, English, then the Irish or the Welsh above that? Because there's like a little bit of snootiness, right? I know the Scots look down, you know, like you're up there in terms of. Oh, I'd no. get myself into all sorts of trouble if I started. I know. Going well, look, it's a very water. classist society, so I'm just kind of honing in on that. I, I think the Welsh are brilliant. Um, okay. They've been tied to the hips to the English for a little long time, though. But they've oh. got their own language, so at least they've got that. Like, yeah, that's true. They're they're really um they're really hot on their own speaking Welsh, which I quite like. Um, it's a lovely place. Stem from the same uh, one human. Yes, all the Welsh come from one person. Okay. Great. Okay. No, no. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm saying it's not like Finland. They're like ethnically completely different from, you know, the, the, the Scandinavian, like the other Scandinavians, as far as I know. Oh, you, oh, right. Okay. No, 
I don't know. I think there's like there was like five tribes originally. You, actually, that was a thing that reminded me. Um, when I was I went back home just before lockdown. Okay. And did you watch? Did you watch Game of Thrones? I watched a little. I lo they lost me with the dragons. I just I we, there was a bit, but the whole the north, you know, there's the wall separating the north from the rest of the seven, and and it was like loosely based on the way Britain goes with, with the, okay. the geography and with all the pop, the peoples there. But I, I grew up in a town called Kirkintilloch, which had um which was on a, a hill and um there was a wall at the top of that hill which was called the Antonine Wall. It was built by the Romans and it's as far north as the Romans got. Down the other side of that hill, beyond the wall, it goes down, 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 and then it's the Highlands. And it's all it's, you know, no one goes there. They were they were too scared to go there. And I didn't know growing up that I was just living like on the wall my whole, my wow, whole childhood. Wow, you were on the wall. It's interesting and, because I am, I mean, I'm fascinated by um, the fact that in terms of language too, with Gaelic and then, so Scots, they don't have anything, you know, the Welsh have their own language. Then there's, there's Gaelic. And what is Scotland's just English? That's it? No, no, Scots have got, we've got Scots English, which okay. is not, it's not just a dialect of English. It's, um, it's, it's sort of like they grew up at the same time. Oh, so, interesting. Okay. So but you don't have any of the, uh, you have some of the guttural sounds like Hebrew. You got the, right? Which, which the Brits, the English, I mean, the English don't have. But you well, also, well, we also have the, the Gaelic as well, which is like completely, completely different route, completely yeah. different from English. Yeah. But, um, but with Scots itself, you know, not many people speak it, but like, uh, be like my great aunt Barbara will be like, hey, oh, ha, oh, why, why Ben the scholar and tells the time in that note? You know, it's like different words. In, in different grammar. So it's a, it is a proper dialect, uh, but not many people speak it, you know, so. That's too bad. Well, they, they gotta establish a Save the uh, Scots English uh, Foundation. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I love not me a good guttural either. sound. Everyone always makes fun of Hebrew. We were like, ha, ha, ha. But it's, there's something nice when it's coming from that, uh, that deep guttural phlegmy place that you, you can know tap into yourself. Side. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> get in there. You know, you can't phone it in. You get, you can't mumble a, it doesn't work. Um, what happens when you do it up close to people, though? Does a little bit of spit coming out? I mean, I'm yeah, wondering. Yeah, but that's completely understandable. Oh, hi, Vaughn. Hold on, I'm gonna. There we go. Vaughn, she came on and she disappeared. That's what happens with my with my Zoom. People come on, they go, they don't know they're on yet, then they disappear. Um, any questions for for Jamie here? As I look at my Instagram live, I just love fielding this. It's making me so happy. The fact that I've discovered this hack that I'm streaming live, it just makes me. I'm ecstatic. Um, any more about the research besides the um, autistic uh, communities, which is amazing. As you know, I have a personal connection to that as my late brother um, suffered from severe autism. And it's, it's one of those areas of research that makes me so happy that's, that's being done because there's so much to do. And for so long, I feel like there wasn't any research done. And these, you know, kids were siphoned off and uh, you know, just taken for granted that there's going to be no improvement. And I feel like even kids today, because they're, diagnosing it earlier on, um, there's tools that really can make, you know, improve not only quality of life, but ability to communicate. I mean, it can't, it's not, it can be conditioned. You can be conditioned to yeah. pick up on social cues. It doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, um, inherent. Well, one, one of the things, I think one of the things that would be good to come out of the research that, that a lot of us are doing right now is, is just to increase understanding of it. That yeah. It's, it's not like a lot of people view autism as a condition that needs to be solved or cured. And that medicalization of it, I think, is a very damaging thing. 
I think it, it's better to look at it and say, look, a lot of autistic people have so much to give and, and, and better insight into the world and different things, just a different insight than many of us. So it's just finding ways to communicate better with them and understand what it is that they're trying to say. I think that's, um, that would be a great outcome of the research. So it's not necessarily about uh, building an application or, 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 or trying to fix autism. You know, right, it's not right, about that. Right. It's about trying to understand it and try and find out, you know, there, there, there are benefits to it too. And um, what, can, what can we do to enhance that? I love it. Well, I think it's beautiful work that you're doing. I'm going to let you go to bed because, you know, you got to sleep <laughs> on the tweed, on the tartan go and sleep tweed. on the tweed, yeah. I know you guys are now in lockdown, um, I know. so I'm sorry. Uh, we're here having nervous breakdown. We don't know who's going to win this election. Just it's, constant panic. I mean, that, that whole thing with your election, this is the thing where um, you were talking with your last guest about oh, escaping America and go to, yeah. can't actually escape. American politics, no one can. No, Whatever no. we are in the world, it's yeah, American yeah. politics, it's Trump. I mean, you can't escape that, man. It's horrible. I know, I know. And it's like we said, it's that relentless chaos. It wears you down and there's no option for couples therapy. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And it's like, there's no, there were, there, no communication. No, you know, we're not having sex anymore. The relationship is just fried. It's done. And you just <laughs> want to get out and you can't seem to get out. The person won't leave your apartment and you're like, you need to move out and he's not moving out. So pray for us please i do but do you know what us. the downside is if if he doesn't win he says he's going to move to scotland then we're lumbered with him i know i know but your Once granny is your granny still with us no sadly okay, not so but then she's been spared so well you know. <laughs> <laughs> um thank you jamie ward and if you want to check out jamie's work do you have a website where you or your your research uh, or blog or whatever what yeah, uh, jamieward.net Okay. should have some things i need to update it yeah it's time it's time you it's probably have a picture of yourself when you were like 19 going eh. yeah. you know what movie <laughs> i just watched again because i'm going to be interviewing roddy doyle on my um podcast oh, in, in, uh, on the next friday i just watched the commitments again what so a beautiful good. film alan parker rest in peace if you if you haven't seen the commitments please watch it and if you have watch it again because i hadn't watched it since it came out in the 90s it's so well done and it's so, so beautiful and great and, and just fun and, and sad. And it's just, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, oh. All right, my kind sir. Uh, teach me one, one word in Welsh. Or just Welsh. Not Welsh, sorry. Welsh. Sorry, Scots English. <laughs> sorry, not Welsh. Sorry, oh. I'm like fried already myself. You want, you want a bit of Gaelic. You want a bit of Scots Gaelic, which is similar to Welsh. Okay. Falsiagusharadnabanregen. Okay. What does that mean? Welcome to Queen Street Railway Station. <laughs> Far Pignugan. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. Thank you, Jamie. On that note, um, jamieward.net. Thank you. And I'll let you know when this airs on the, on the SoundCloud and everywhere. And thank you for joining me. Lovely to see you again. Have you good night. Enjoy your lockdown. Bye. Bye. Uh, my next lovely, lovely guest is Vaughn DiCarlo, and the C is not capitalized. Um, please join, Vaughn, can you uh, un unmute and, and make yourself vis visible? Yay! Hi. <laughs> how are you, honey? Good, how are you? Good, I'm, I'm sharing with you that I'm, I'm streaming this on IG Live on my phone to the computer. It's all very exciting. I have all- Oh, got it. Follow me at Vaughn DiCarlo on Instagram. There you go, boom, <laughs> done. Um, how are you? 
I, I'm stressed the fuck I out. Know, I know, I know. I've been on CNN I've been nonstop. A lot. I've, oh, Jamie disappeared when I cussed. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a, no, he was, he was gone before. It's, he's in London. It's like 1 a.m. for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I caught the tail end of what you guys were talking about. And, you know, speaking as a, a Black woman, you know, uh, Black people, were not a monolithic culture. You know, you've been hearing that a lot lately. And um, in terms of, I don't know, who you guys were talking about before that's gonna leave and he was saying how you can't escape American politics nowhere no matter where you are in the world and um my comment to that is absolutely not and I don't think a lot of the people that are genuinely thinking about leaving or escaping they're not necessarily trying to escape the politics per se but just the idea of their safety yeah and, yeah and fair enough um are are at stakes but you know we'll see what happens i am i'm watching the uh mm. election results like the finals of an nba game I know. i'm like Lamar! Let's go! <laughs> well, let me I, I think we should have elections like this i was like thinking this. about this we I'm should have elections like this like every two to three months because I'm cleansing myself. I've been, I've done number two in the bathroom. Like thank three, you. Thank you for your, like my son with the updates. They get, mom, I'm going to go poop. Mom, mom, mom. I'm yeah. gonna, you don't have to notify me. Just go. I don't know. I think I just, I like torture because there's no reason why I should be doing this to myself. But anyway, I came in too hot. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. My question to you is, because I was thinking about the sunset is actually gorgeous. Um, I think about people that are, that have lost people to COVID and, and are, are sick and are voted for him. I think about African-Americans that are voting for him. Talk me through, what do you think that thought process is? Clearly, oh hell, I cannot tell you what a thought I can't process fathom. of a lunatic is. If I knew how crazy people thought, we, we will understand Jeffrey Dahmer and why he ate people. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting during all of his super spreader events um, and all of these rallies, I was like, well, this is going to be interesting because he's counting on Republicans to get out on the day of the election to vote. Are they all going to be sick and unavailable that day? Right. Um, I don't know. It looks like he had a tremendous turnout. I'm very disappointed in the, the moral uh, victory that's not- Yeah, but Van won. Jones said that yesterday because I just didn't understand. I'm saying- what is going on in the mind of a black person considering everything that's gone down and considering this person is so not on your side, but then you have people like Ice Cube. I'm just trying to wrap my head around, you know. Well, I don't, again, we're not a monolithic culture, so we, we don't all fall under one category. Ice Cube falls under a very high tax bracket. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As yeah. does Little Wayne and as the, and, but right now, if you take a look at Michigan and, and the, it's going to be the black folk that is going to yes. be able to get you to press you're fired on that tweet oh. to Donald Trump. And <laughs> hopefully what they've learned during this election is that rappers are not our black leaders in the community. I'm not yeah. saying that um, our black entertainers uh, don't and shouldn't have a voice, but they're not, we, we don't, we, black people don't listen 
to rappers blindly like oh this right, song is right, bumping let's right. do platform plan like come on we're <laughs> we're very well educated people um uh, some of us yeah. and then we have some real ignorant assholes right some of us right just like any other culture yes we have to stop acting like the white culture is the intelligent culture look at these idiots it's it's baffling it's they're more trifling than <laughs> any trifling black person i've ever met no, it's true. Biased. I mean, I, I think know. that I when Van Jones said that yesterday, it really struck me because you could see it was emotionally yeah. goes, even if there's a political victory, the moral victory, like the, the makeup, after, people thought it was such a shoe. And after what we, we've been through and after all this, it's, right. like, it's like nothing happened. It's almost like- And it wasn't, for me, it's not just a moral victory. And I know Van, I'm familiar with CNN commentators. He's, he's a black man. Yes. Um, but- at, for me, I'll speak for myself and the moral Please. victory I'm talking about is not just on behalf of racial equality. Yeah. We're talking about women's rights, LGBTQ rights. We're talking about science Immigrant. and doctors, yes. Yes. coronavirus. We're talking about, um, and I did a post on my Instagram uh, with my, I do these morning, I, I sleep in a, a blue bonnet and I, okay. um, I call them hair hat solutions. And sometimes I'll <laughs> pop on and do like these minute morning uh, riffs. And this one was particularly longer. It was the day of the election. And I spoke about this very moral victory thing. Yes, yes. And I said, um, I have no expectations of any of those people. I don't have an expectation of a, a racist to uh, vote on behalf of racial equality. I don't have expectations of a, a misogynistic person that already voted the pussy grabbing president into power, why would I have expectations that that person is gonna vote on behalf of the LGBTQ or women's right, rights? Right. They're not. There's no expectation for a selfish person who refuses to wear a mask that they're gonna vote on behalf of doctors and science and coronavirus and, and, and that type of reform. So what I asked on that post on election day of those uh, people that tend to all fall into the Trump train category, my question in terms of looking forward to a moral victory, at the very least, make it make sense to me that our president, you, you're okay with our president not giving two fucks that Putin put out bounties on our military servicemen and women's heads. Make that make sense because I thought you were uh, patriotic. I thought we were waving an American flag here. So there's so many different sections of a moral victory that has been lost by millions of Americans uh, that even uh, when Joe Biden does win, it's like, wow, you people really are weird as fuck. Yeah. Your patriotism is strange. It's very strange. Well, I don't think it's based in any value. It's just a, a concept that's not attached to anything. And you know what brings this country together is should have been or is supposed to be shared values because we we're such a diverse population. It's not like right. We well, I think it is attached together. to something. It's definitely attached to white supremacy, white, yeah, white okay. privilege. Right. And, yeah. and I, don't, I don't know the exact math on this, but I believe in about 30 or 40 years uh, or moving forward in the future, it's anticipated the population of people of color will Surpass. outnumber and, and white people will be in the minority. And it's a it's a white guilt, pro guilt projection of fear right. that you're going to do to me what I've done to you. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can't speak for every culture because I'm black. I'm a black woman. I, I can't speak for every person of color. Um, I'll speak from my experience. For the most part, we don't have that in our heart. When, when we were free from slavery, um, they were paranoid. The slaves wanted to kill them. And right, granted, right, 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 right. I'm not saying that that didn't exist. I, there are people that want to get revenge or, but for the most part, that's not in our hearts. That's not taught in our households. We are not savages. The savages are afraid that they're going to become the victims of their savagery. So I think that has a lot to do with it um, because they're damn sure not looking at their president and, and on, a, on a global sense of what he's doing. They're damn sure not looking at him in, in terms of their health care and, and taxes. Yeah, that's and, what I'm, I mean. That's really the danger of cult of personality where you're not even looking in your own best interest. I mean, like even your presumed best interest. I'm talking about, you know, if you're afraid in 40 years, you're going to be outnumbered and you're coming from that fear. But it goes beyond that. I mean, COVID, again, this is not about rate. This is literally jobs, you know, this whole lockdown, not lockdown. It's just depressing. I really, I was so depressed last night. Went to bed at 2 a.m. this morning. I felt a little better because I'm like, Michigan, maybe. We yes, can. and that's that black vote. That's Detroit. Detroit, um, come through. <laughs> I know. It's so funny watching, though. It's like watching these people count the ballot. It just, it feels so you know, middle eight, like everyone, you know, like by hand, you know what I mean? They're opening an envelope with it, with an, like a little knife, you know, Girl, opener. can we step into 2020? We, we do our, uh, our banking online. I have not been inside of a bank in years. I, I deposit checks on my phone. That's what I did. Not that I'm getting a lot of checks right face. now, but yeah. I yeah. open my phone with my face, my phone before this, I opened it with a thumbprint. Don't try to tell me that we have to have this barbaric it's ass literally system. funny. It's like literally sitting there opening these envelopes. And then you have like four people staring at you from Democrats and Republicans going, is it real? Was it with a Sharpie, with a felt tip pen? Was there a fingerprint? Is it creased? I didn't even get my mail-in ballot. The, the plan is and ha always has been for a very long time yeah. with this bullshit electoral college to suppress the vote. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let's just pray. I personally wish that maybe if, if Biden wins, and he will, God help me, I'm usually a, a, a pessimist. Um, no, I'm a realist. But if he wins and Trump, maybe they offer Trump a TV show, like a reboot. So he'll be so distracted. He'll be like, you know what? I'm not going to fight this. I'm done. I'm going to move to Tahiti and shoot this show. He's definitely going to use his platform to keep the shenanigans, shenanigans yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I know. That yeah. is going to yeah, be yeah, a shit yeah. show. Um, it's going to be different with him not in power, but Here's what I'm, I'm uh, a little stressed over because I, I root against my own predictions all the time. And I made this prediction in that Instagram post that I told you about yeah. uh, with the moral uh, uh, victory stuff, uh, hoping for more moral victory at that time. Uh, I, and I said this a long time ago, I believe Joe Biden is going to win this election, but uh, Donald Trump may still end up president because he's going to try and steal it. That's I've, and I didn't know how until that damn Amy, Amy Karen, that Amy Karen Barrett. And I'm like, if this, if any of this ends up in the Supreme Court's hands, we're screwed. I'm, I'm very yeah. nervous. Yeah. Yeah. But I you know, I personally, though, I personally think not. I personally think Maybe. that she will surprise us. I, I don't know. I think she's going to surprise us. And I think Ooh, that, she, that, that, that that's the white lady. in you. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I do. I think that she's going to surprise us in, 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 in the sense that, I don't know. My gut is telling me that 
she seems so anal and she's all, look, she's a loon and I don't agree with anything she stands with, but I do believe that she is, she seems so anal about like the letter of the law, so to speak, even though it doesn't make sense anymore to go by the, you know, the concept that was all that aside, I feel like she'll be like, no, this is not the way, but maybe I'm wrong, but let's hope I'm right. Okay. Let's just look. Uh, we all know that the white woman voted Donald Trump in in 2016. And as the results are coming in, it looks like it's even a higher percentage. That's, I don't, yeah. I think it's at like, I think they're saying it's about 55% of white women voted really? on behalf of Donald Trump. Um, whereas what was it in 2016? 51%? I don't know. Yeah. So. Well, I, uh, okay. All right. I'm just trying to find a little bit of, of silver lining. I don't know. We don't know. We don't look, know. Plot twist. I hope you're right. Again, you. I root against my predictions all the well, time. Please do. Please root. All the time. Uh, are you doing any uh, outdoor comedy I can send people to? Um, no, I think all the outdoor It's all stuff done, right? It's wrapping over. up. I was doing a bunch of shows all summer um, out there getting heckled by squirrels and, and birds and rats with Stand Up New York. And, and then I, I, the last one I did was with Westside Comedy Club it, in Union Square it was so fun. Oh, awesome, awesome. Um, but I do, I, I do have my podcast still. People can support that, friendinyourhead.com. Okay. Um, and also I have a comedy mixtape, uh, an album coming out December 11th, I think is the, the date Yay. that they gave me. So it's a little ways off. But please do uh, keep an eye out for that. I don't know if this is going to. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I mean, it'll, it'll be on, it'll be on Facebook and it'll be on SoundCloud and on my, where my podcasts go. So it'll be, it'll be on for a while. And nice.carlo.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what? I'm obsessive and anal, like an Amy. And yes. I, <laughs> I purchase every domain name. Okay. So anything you type with Vonda Carlo comes to you. Vonda Carlo goes to me. Coach Vaughn goes to me. Coach Vaughn podcast goes to me. Friend in your head goes to me. Uh, <laughs> grown AF comedy. Go like you name it. I got right, you it. You got it. So you're the go daddy. You're the, you're the, okay. The easiest one is coach. Cause every, know, everyone knows how to spell that. And Vaughn, V-O-N. Okay. Coachvaughn.com. Links to everything. Links to everything. Um, please visit coachvaughn.com. I'm crossing fingers. I'm praying for us all. I'm we'll not moving. Fine. I'm not moving to Canada. We'll so I'm in it for the long haul. And Move if to you Ghana. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, if you're out in LA, let me know. And oh, you're uh, in LA. I'm in LA. I'm in LA now. Yeah. You left. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I will most certainly let you know. Okay, if I good, am. good. Your my sofa is always open. I always thank love to you. Have, I haven't had anybody in here in, in nine months, so please. You have to show me your COVID test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, vice versa. But, like, um, right. I'm coming <laughs> in the house. Let me see your test. Put your mask on. <laughs> oh Thank you, Vaughn. You're beautiful. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. Stay safe. Stay healthy. You too. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. My um, final guest of the evening, which I'm very excited about, is Richard Nash, everybody. Please come on. Yay! Hi, Richard. Hi, Iris. How are you? Good. Is this a good Wi-Fi location? Because I'm not, is this the best Wi-Fi location in your home? Is this the best Wi-Fi location? It is, unfortunately, yeah. the audio is yeah, a little yeah. bit distorted. The audio is a wee bit distorted. Um, let me change headset. Okay, that's what it is, maybe. Um, one sec. If there are any questions so far while Richard goes to get, Richard is a... Uh, had his own publishing company, knows the book world um, amazingly well. And we're going to um, talk about that 
in the intro. Oh, you back? Is this any better? Oh, so much better. You were like this. I'm like, great. Hi. Hi. Um, I can see the booze on the uh, on top of the cabinetry. That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm honing in on. It's pretty just, high up. Is this like, a way to deter yourself from from late nights with the bottle or what? What to have it that high up? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's honestly, I don't, I don't, um, I don't really partake that often. I'm more of a wine and beer guy. It's mostly for entertaining. It's mostly oh, for it. when okay. like guests are over. <laughs> And, you know, when it gets to that time of night, um, people don't want to leave, but there's, they, they, they need something to sort of like yes. keep them going. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some of it is also gifts. Like, I hate Fernet, but people I like it. I don't like it, it so either. I yeah. I don't even know what that is. That's the one with Anise? It's it's in the it's in that universe. I don't mm. like any of that stuff. No, I don't like the ouzo, the arak, the the anise. I don't like any of it. Fennel, fennel, fennel. I'm a licorice hater too. Um, can you? Did, were you here earlier when I showed off this huge bag of rice that I got on Amazon? No, no. Although you know, all the delis in New York. <laughs> it's just, it's my, it's my body pillow because I'm lonely in bed. So this is the, this is where I go for comfort. I just hug the rice. I'm just gonna move it you, over here. I mean, you um, know, delis in New York have bags that are almost that big. Oh, see, I've been doing the Instagram live. Sorry, guys. You guys fell just fell into my lap. Look at them doing it as we go. See this? So there's so so I get there's a combo here. There is both. There is Zoom. Yes. There's yeah. a podcast. There's Instagram Live. <laughs> yes. Okay. The, all right. The phone's about to die, so I don't know how much longer this is going to last. I apologize, everybody. Um, so, Richard, tell me a little bit. I know you were you were in the publishing world for a long time. It sounds like you yeah. kind of not anymore, but still are. But I kind of wanted because I keep hearing all these like doomsday predictions about the publishing industry and books. And um, is that true? Is everything just gone to, shot to hell? Well, it's sort of, I mean, it's, um, look, books will be fine. Books have been around for 500 fucking years. Books aren't going anywhere. Okay. But new books, not old books, new books. Um... Look, the hassle is, is that books are so fine, they don't go anywhere anymore. What do you mean they're so it fine they don't go anywhere? used to be that, like, up until about 30 years ago, publishers would publish about twenty-five to 35,000 books a year. Okay. And after about 18 months, they'd go out of print. Okay. I mean, not all of them, but 30 of the 35,000 would go out of print. Right. 5,000 of them would stay in print and they'd be like reprinted and they'd be at the back of the store for years and years and years and years and years. The hassle now is that nothing goes out of print. I think my book All went out of print. <laughs> or close, you know, it's, it, it depends on the exact timing. Okay. But okay. Uh, what they can now do, either because it's an ebook where it never goes out of print or there's what's called print on demand, where you can just print a single copy at a time. Um, and it's typically an entity somewhere at the level of the wholesaler. So a bookstore just thinks, oh, it's still in print. Um, 
So the hassle is, is now you're not just competing with Dostoevsky. Right. Uh, or Mark Twain. You're competing with everything everybody did six months ago, three years ago, eight mm. years ago, 12 years ago, as well as, you know, the classics of 18th and 19th and 20th century literature. So, you know, there's, there's just a lot more out there because nothing disappears anymore. That's interesting. Uh, I never attributed to that. I, I also felt like with so much other content available and I guess the dawn of audiobooks and, and self-publishing, it's a lot harder for a, a new writer to get published if they don't already have a, a social media following. Like, I always felt like publishing was slightly more of a meritocracy than, than television was. You know what I mean? Film, yes and no. I mean, there's, you know, when you go to the studio level, yeah, a lot maybe of crap. meritocracy isn't quite the right word, but maybe sort of a it, less relentlessly slavish fascination about who you were connected to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you had the big star writers, right? Even, you know, I remember when my first book came out, you had the, uh, the Dan Browns that got all the publicity from the publisher, you know what I mean? All the effort. And they would still put some money into PR, but now I feel like they don't put any money into PR, right? It's all has to be, they expect all the PR to just be generated automatically by the, the social media presence of the, of the author. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be social media. I mean, there is a tendency in the world of humor, let's say. Okay. There to be an assumption that it is social media because what else would it be? Okay, uh, right, right. But, but it, it, it depends on the genre. So, I mean, your platform could be um, um, institutional, you know. I'm the right. executive director of Common Cause or Public Citizen. Uh, or I'm the head of the Rockefeller Foundation. Right. No one gives a shit about your social media in that case. Yes, 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 of course. So, um, you know, it, 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 until athletes got onto social media, it wouldn't have occurred to them that athletes would be, you'd want to know what an athlete's, you know, social media thing would be. The fact that they were Larry Bird was a platform. Right, right. Uh, everybody already knows that. So... So, so it, I wouldn't say it's, 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 it's just social media, although certainly in certain sectors, social media is the easiest metric that they can sort of glom on to to say, all right, this person has the ability to get people to buy her fucking book. If we just make sure we make it available for people to buy it. Right. Yeah, so you don't think that the industry itself, kind of like the film and TV, I guess, that it's gotten lazier. They're not going to... Will you find a big publisher that will take a chance on a young writer that's writing a work of literary fiction if it's, like, fantastic? They will do about 10 or 15 of those a year. Right, okay. Maybe 25. Um, the trick, though, the interesting situation is... They'll do the debut is actually slightly easier to get than the second book. Yes, of course. That's like with your first feature. 
They're like, you're taking a chance on someone to see if you make money. If you don't make money after the first one, it's a lot harder to get your second film made. Yeah, because you see, you, you know, the thing is, is that when you're a sales virgin, nobody can prove that this book won't sell. Right, 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 so right. So you have a book, it sold 22,000 copies, then you have another book, it sold 42,000 copies. They now know this person, there is no way this person is going to sell 750,000 copies. Yeah, yeah. But if you have sold Bupkus, there is nothing that says this person can't sell 750,000 copies. Yet. Yet. Well, I feel like for the most part, considering the advances, most part publishers don't make their money back. Correct. And, and it's, it's, it's publishing is the, and that's even more so, I would say the biggest way in which publishing has changed is that they are making bigger bets rather than hedging their bets. Right. Um, in this respect, they now look more like venture capitalists. Mm. So venture capitalists doesn't make money by putting, you know, 10 million bucks into a company and having it sell for 200 million bucks. They make their money by putting, you know, over the course of four or five rounds of funding, 500 million bucks into a company because it's going to go for 22 billion. Right, right. And they will tend to try to push them, don't do small, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger, go bigger. Much more likely to fail much more likely to bomb, <laughs> much more likely to be worth nothing in the end. But you've the shot at the $20 billion situation. Yeah. So publishing is increasingly going there, the, the larger ones where they, it, it, it doesn't, they're, they're not thinking, all right, if this book's break, break let's, let's set this up where if it breaks even, we'll all be happy. Well, all, most of our books, they'll break even, we'll all be happy. It is not, that's not their bet anymore. Their bet is more, what is the book that, 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 that breaks out? Now, in, in literary fiction, they're not necessarily expecting it to sell a half a million copies out of the gate. You know, sometimes they will, they will in those cases, their bets are kind of more like, okay, this got a lot of noise and attention and it sold okay. But if we keep publishing this person, eventually they're going to win some big ass prize. Right. And also it'll be prestigious. And then we're not just selling that book, but we're selling the other five books. Right, right. Um, right. And, and it, the odds are, you know, a lot of those, those five books, they don't have to do anything to sell those books. They just print the suckers. Um, you know, they'll be... You know, especially stuff that could be um, one of the big things for, for a certain kind of literary fiction or memoir um, are what's known as the FYE books. I'm like, this is inside baseball here. Please. But it's, it's, it's moderately interesting inside baseball. Um, especially, you know, baseball's over. You've got no fucking baseball but the baseball that I'm giving you right now. <laughs> uh, so, so FYE, first year experience. Because college kids now, when they start college, they often get this letter, yeah, blah, 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 all the stuff they have to look forward to. 
and everybody is going to read, you know, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, or everybody is going to read The Underground Railroad, or everybody is right, going right, to right. read, you know, uh, 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 Cheryl, Strayed's, Cheryl Strayed's Wild, and we're all going to discuss it, and there's going to be book groups where you get to, like, meet, you know, your fellow freshmen. Um, and so those uh, uh, those programs are are um, real consistent sources of of um, uh, big sales with little effort uh, by the publisher. Mm. Literally, like you know, Oberlin will order seven hundred copies. <laughs> right, University right. of Michigan will order like eight fucking thousand copies. This is just like minting right. money. So, right. so that's that's the sort of the sort of the more writerly literary fiction or um, literaryish memoir or books that have to do. I mean, obviously, a huge number of the anti-racism books are are going to be on these syllabi style situations um, this fall. Uh, that kind of stuff is 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 is, is going to do really well. But those are the kind of the two models is like, will this be a big, huge success out of the gate because we'll throw a bunch of money at it? Or will it be enough of a success that this person is sort of teed up to get a certain kind of cultural uh, um, fame that will get them into these kind of lists of books to be read by pissed off 18 year olds? <laughs> What would you, any words of advice um, before we wrap up in terms of uh, words to aspiring writers? Is it virtually impossible to get your book published and you're better off self-publishing? What, what do you recommend? I mean, I would say think of the book as the last thing is that the book is the result of your fame rather than the thing that generates your fame. Mm. There is a kind of a cognitive tendency to look at somebody at a certain phase in their career and say, oh my God, they've got a book. If I do a book, that will get me to that phase in their career. It's the other way around. They got asked to do the book because of where they were rather than got to where they were because of the book. Right. So, so the, the biggest thing I would say to people is don't think of the book as the thing that launches you. Think of the book as the thing that you get to do when you get to the planetary system you want to be on. Um, so do, uh, do all the things short of doing a book, like huh. podcast, like social media or not, like blog. It's, it's what are the... What, what is everything else, what is anything other than the book mm -hmm. that relates to the book that you can do? Um, because that maximizes the chances of one of two things happening. One is that you have the email addresses of a whole bunch of people who will buy the book version of what it is that oh, you've been doing. Yeah, that's a good point, years. right. Right. And so that's your self pub that's the self-publishing model. The self-publishing model is, you know, just have a lot of breadcrumbs and um and um um 
uh, you know, click bass, jail bass, rat bass, uh, whatever it is out there, allowing you to sort of collect um, info about people who are into it. And then you tell them, hey, what? Here's the book version. Right. Um, they're not necessarily even buying the book because they want it for the first time. The book is their, is their, um, is their way of buying the t-shirt from the show. Right, right, right. Book is right. merch. Yeah, little merch, little memento. Souvenir. Yeah. Yeah, it is a yeah. souvenir or a badge. Look, I am a fan of so-and-so. <laughs> um, that is either for yourself or a way of like the person you have been quoting this thing to for like the la off and on for the last year are now getting a copy of the book for their birthday. Um, so that's the kind of the self-publishing version of it. And then the, the big publishing version of it are the poor, but we're, or even independent, but independent, like not, you know, the, the one to $10 million a year publisher version um, is, is basically you do all that and they come to you. Yeah. In a perfect. Oh, not so much right. the publisher comes to you, the agents come right, to you. Right, the agent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay. You know, the agents are all there sniffing, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, rooting through the undergrowth, yes. trying to find. Yes. Uh, trying to find stuff. And um, again, you want breadcrumbs out there, little truffle scented breadcrumbs that right, right. have their little snouts coming up to you. Um, uh, you see, the, the, the thing is, is always, I, I think the trick is whatever it is that you're doing that is like these breadcrumbs should be stuff that is fun in and of itself. Yeah. Enjoy um, the journey, it, not the end result, it, right? Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Exactly, exactly. 100%. I'm with you. I'm with, so Richard, where, if people want to read more about your work, I know you're also a coach. We didn't dive into that today, but where can uh, you, is it richardnash.com? Just go rnash.com. Okay, rnash.com. I have only one URL, unlike your previous guest. I know, that's pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Like, literally 40 different <laughs> names. Um, smart. Yes, I am not GoDaddy's bitch. Thank you. I'm crossing fingers for this election. Thank you for joining me and providing this okay. insight. And, um, and hopefully I'll talk to you soon because we've got to catch up otherwise. Excellent. That's um, and step away from those bottles at the top of the cabinet, please. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later, Richard. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, today was a, um, a robust program. I'm going to go back to watching Wolf Blitzer and the other guy whose hand doesn't move. Um, I hope you all are well. Please breathe. I know this is a stressful time for everybody. Breathe, stay healthy, stay safe, and tune in next week for another variety show. This is Erice Barr signing off.